Coming up next on Abounding Grace. You know, in the years that I've been pastoring here in Colorado, I've seen this shift in emphasis in some churches to follow after signs and wonders. I've seen a shift in many churches to go after like, you know, the cultural message that will be easily received. Uh, I've seen churches, their whole sermon series is about whatever movies are in the theaters. Listen, you don't need more movies when you come to church. You need the Word of God. Yeah, maybe there's some great novel things in the latest Marvel movie that are entertaining and, and even noble. But it's not the Word of God, man. It's not going to change your life. What's going to change your life is the noble example of Jesus Christ and His followers fully submitted to Him. That's what's going to change your life. This is amazing grace. This is It was C.H. Spurgeon that said, nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. How true that is. Spurgeon was a man that was obsessed and impressed with the Bible. How about you? Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to base our faith on God's unchanging and very reliable word. Our faith is reasonable. And we can be thankful that God went to great length through prophecy to prove His Word can be trusted. We'll be in 2 Peter chapter 1 for the most part. We're going to pick up in verse 19, 2 Peter chapter 1. And I titled this message, God's Prophetic Word is True. And you'll remember last time we were together, we were encouraged to remember and rely upon the Word of God. That's where we start, and that's also where we end. We start in the Word of God and we end in the Word of God. And what is truly lacking in so many lives today is the depth of God's Word penetrating our minds and changing our lives. So much drama and difficulty exists among believers today, let alone unbelievers, but so much drama and difficulty and regular repetitive sin exists in the body of Christ today because God's Word is not penetrating the minds and hearts of his people. It was the prophet of Amos, you can jot it down, it was the prophet Amos that declared this. Listen carefully. In Amos chapter 8 verse 11 it says, Behold the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Imagine that for a second. A famine in hearing the words of the Lord. We certainly are living in a time where the words of the Lord are going forth more than ever before. With technology, the ability for God's word to go out continually is multiplied today. So it's not a famine, even in the days of Amos, that the word of God wouldn't go forth. It's the exact opposite. God's judgment, Amos is declaring God's judgment will come upon his people across the board. They're going to face difficulties economically. They're going to face difficulties spiritually. And God's word would go forth during that time. 
During the time of great difficulty, as they suffer the consequences of their own bad decisions, God in his grace and mercy, according to Amos, is going to continue to give forth his word, even in great difficult and trying times. The famine of God's word is not that it will go forth. The famine will be that men and women will not receive it. Believers, his people, not, we, many times this is, this is a declaration. Pastors use this as a declaration of, oh, look at the world today. And oh, look at the lack of Bible teaching churches. And oh, look, and th- those may be true. That may be true. But what Amos is saying here, what God is saying, is that this is not merely a statement of a lack of solid Bible teaching. That there is not a lack today of solid Bible teaching. It is certainly available, and it is certainly going forth today. What, what, it, what he's saying is that this is a warning that there is a day coming, both in Amos' time and I believe in our time, where there'll be a wholesale abandonment of God's word. Let me sh- t- tell it to you from a different, let me show it to you from a different place in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Just let it sink in. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy preached the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. For so many years I looked at this passage of Scripture And I simply applied it to unbelievers, to those outside of the church. But the longer that I've served God and the more study that I've done on this text, I mean, if you you look at it carefully, it's applying to two groups of people. It's applying, first of all, to the people that you are preaching the Word of God. And by the way, there is a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is the proclamation of the gospel that is primarily to unbelievers, where you preach the good news that your sins can be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ who came as a messenger, God in human flesh, to demonstrate the love of God for you by dying on the cross, being buried, and he rose again the third day. When you preach the word, you preach the word and the good news to those that need to hear of their great need for forgiveness. But there's also teaching. As he says to be ready, notice, in season and out of season, and this is Timothy, he says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Teaching is for the saved. You see, if you try to teach the Bible to unbelievers, they don't have the Holy Spirit. They can't understand the Bible. They won't be able to understand it. They'll, they'll even come back and go, I don't get a word you said. I don't understand what you're saying. Because there's a singular message that an unbeliever receives during the teaching of God's word. And the singular message is, you are not right with your creator. You're not right. There's not a right relationship with your creator. Teaching is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we crave the teaching of God's word, why we feed on the teaching of God's word, and we receive it. So preaching and teaching are two different things. And any good pastor and any good teacher will do both at the same time, because there's always a mixed multitude listening to your Bible study. There's always people that need to hear it. Not only that, but let's just say you have a couple people in a little home Bible study that are believers already. When you preach and teach at the same time, you're teaching them just by doing it how to preach and teach to others. 
But see, this is not just for these last, these end times, this famine in the word of God. It's not merely for the lost world. It's for us. There are people among us right now that are turning their ears away from the truth and they're being turned aside to, well, in this case, fables, but I would say to nonsense or to false teaching. And they've gotten off. They've taken, they have, you could say in a very real way, they're like the church of Ephesus that have left their first love. And they're calling things the gospel that's not the gospel. And, and they're involved and all their energies and efforts are all caught up in things that simply are not eternal. And they've turned away. There's a famine of the word of God. They sit in Bible studies. They listen to Christian radio. And then they live their life in a way that have turned their ears away from the truth. They have what? They have heaped up for themselves teachers that are telling them what they want to hear. Now, before you even relegate this sense of, well, that's not me yet. That'll never be me. You know, when something is hard and difficult that comes from the pulpit and you don't like it, and it can repetitively comes from the pulpit, this pulpit or any pulpit, and you don't like it, you have a tendency to find people that agree with you. That's normal human endeavors. You might be in an argument with your spouse, and if you're not careful, you'll break that circle of confidentiality within your marriage, and you will complain about your spouse. And what are you looking for? Someone that will agree with you. Someone that will uh, massage your ego, perhaps, or help you in stating your case to make it right, and you're looking for someone that agrees with you. Now, that's dangerous in a marriage. It's super dangerous in your relationship with the Lord, where you are feeling a certain way, and there becomes a famine of hearing the Word of God and applying it in your life. Here, here's the thing. Whenever you open the Bible, you cannot, I, I mean, I guess you can, but it, it is not proper. It's not proper to take the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. That is not the proper way to use the Bible. The Bible is here to change you. You are forbidden to change the Bible. You, the Bible, there, there's, there is a great warning to anyone that adds or takes away from the scriptures. The Bible is intended to change you ongoing. I'm to be changed every time the word of God. I'm to understand the character and the nature of God, and it is to change me. So why is there a famine? Well, there's a famine because moms and dads aren't reading the Bible. There's a famine because kids aren't reading the Bible. There's a famine because pe pastors are not teaching it. And you, you, you look back and go, where is the word of God? You, you have a, an argument at work and there's no, you, there's nothing. You are not sharing the word of God with your coworkers. Now, that doesn't mean you get up on your desk and you open your Bible and you start preaching the gospel to them. But if the Bible is in you, then when you have issues with others, the Bible will come out of you. If the Bible is not in you, then you're just going to fight. You're going to get all involved in things. You're going you're to be in positions and places where it's obvious, obvious. 100% obvious that you're not feasting. That's the opposite of famine. You're not feasting on God's word. You're not in it. It's not in you. You're not standing on it. You're also not standing under its authority. No wonder the church is sick today. No wonder. So Peter is writing to people in chapter 1 verse 19 Peter's writing to this group of believers under great duress, under great persecution. And now not only is it outwardly from Rome and the government, but it's inwardly. Now 2 Peter is all about the inward persecution. 
on top of the outward difficulty, now false teachers have come in to take advantage of the chaos that many times persecution brings. I mean, you think about just in your own life, how when you're going through it, how vulnerable you are to suggestion, how vulnerable you are to go back to sinful habits that you left, how vulnerable you are for someone that just agrees with you. And you know, I find it, it happens all the time. It happens all the time where there's a, and we'll get to it in chapter two, but where false teachers and wolves and sheep's clothing come in here and gather people together and we have to jump in and break it up. That's our responsibility, you know. Our responsibility is to break it up. Uh, you, as a wolf, are not allowed to take advantage of this church. You're not welcome here. You're welcome here if you get saved and become a sheep. But if you're a wolf, you're not welcome here to take advantage of the people of this church, of the families of this church. You got some weird doctrine or whatever. We'll get into that in chapter 2. But yeah, there are weird people with weird doctrines. And they want to take advantage of, of sincere, God-loving people. The way that we stay, the way that you help us as pastors and shepherds is by being a man or a woman of the word. And that's Peter is saying, look, you got all this, all this weird doctrines and discussions and distractions and defectors that want to take advantage of you because you're vulnerable and you're hurting. And what does he say in verse 19? We have the prophetic word confirmed. I think in the old King James, it says the sure word of prophecy. We have this prophetic word that's been confirmed. Listen, and you might want to mark this in your Bibles. If you have it open or highlight it, circle it on your electronic Bible. It says that you will do well to heed. The prophetic word you will do well to heed or obey as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have the prophetic word confirmed. Here's what, here's what he's saying. In the midst of all the difficulties, you start to doubt the word of God. You start to doubt it. You might even begin to wonder, I wonder if everything I've ever believed is wrong. Because look at my life. Look how hard it is. Look how challenging it is. I wonder if the word of God is even real. I wonder if God is even real. And you begin to doubt God's word. But we learned last time that it's the word of God that will change a life. Not these hyper experiences or even good experiences like Peter had when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, that experience was not going to carry him the rest of his life because experience only begets more experiences. You know, we have these groups of people together that come and say, oh yeah, come on, come on, we're going to have a great event. We're going to have, come together. And then while you're at the event, they say gold dust is falling. And so now you got your gold dust falling or all kinds of weird stuff. And what does that build you up? It, it builds you up to come back with a cup next time for the next gold dust. And he's like, oh, look at this. What, what, what's your church doing? Oh, we're just studying the Bible and praying for people. Oh, you, man, you, dude, you, what are you guys doing, man? We moved beyond that. We got gold dust, man. We got gold dust. And then you're like, whoa, gold dust. I mean, I mean, we are just studying the Bible and, and we are just praying. And I don't even want to pray. And I don't want to pray with people. And, and we do just sing. And I didn't even know that song. And you get it all into the carnality of putting the spotlight on yourself. And gold dust is pretty attractive. See, woo, yee, yippee, gold dust, gold dust. It's such a joke. It's so not true, not real. I don't know what's happening there, but it's not from the Lord. You know what's from the Lord? Your steady commitment to God's word, and you would do well to what? Heed it. 
Yeah, but Ed, there's no gold dust. Nope, there's not. And you would do well to believe God's word and do it. Listen to it. You would do well. Peter could live forever on that experience, but he didn't. He lived forever on the prophetic word. That's the problem with experience is it begets more. It produces a craving for more. I'm grateful for the heritage of our church family at Calvary Chapel because they taught us to teach the Bible verse by verse. That's how I was discipled. It wasn't in a discipleship group. It wasn't in a classroom. It was through the steady diet of the word of God. It's what motivated us. For those of you that are just joining our church in the last couple years, it's what motivated us to invest our resources in a radio station. Not to simply be on the radio station, but to have one for our city. To provide one 24 hours a day, seven days a week. At great personal cost to our own church family. At great personal invest, investment of people's time and, and their, their workflow and, and just unbelievable spiritual warfare. Why? Because just like experiences will create a craving for more experiences. Listen, the word of God will create an appetite for more of the word of God. I mean, when you hear the word of God taught for the first time, how many times, and I'm sure some of those testimonies, you don't need to raise your hand, but I'm sure there's testimonies even among us right now where you're hearing a Bible study and you go, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Well, part of it is learning. You know, you haven't read through the Bible all the way through, and I get that. Part of it's just learning. You're a new believer. But part of it, for some people, they've been in a church for their whole life, and they never opened the Bible. It's all in here. It's amazing, the Bible, how relevant it is to your life. So the word of God also begets more of the word of God. And there won't be a famine, like James said, when you hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. So we have the prophetic word. We have the prophetic word. You know, in the years that I've been pastoring here in Colorado, I've seen this shift in emphasis in some churches to follow after signs and wonders. I've seen a shift in many churches to go after like, you know, the... The, the cultural message that will be easily received. Uh, I've seen churches, their whole sermon series is about whatever movies are in the theaters. Listen, you don't need more movies when you come to church. You need the Word of God. You don't need to try to craft and go, well, you know, I watched this latest Marvel movie, and if you see it this way, and you close your eye and turn your head left, it was the Bible right there. Yeah, maybe there's some great novel things in the latest Marvel movie that are entertaining and, and even noble. But it's not the Word of God, man. It's not going to change your life. What's going to change your life is the noble example of Jesus Christ and his followers fully submitted to him. That's what's going to change your life. That's what's going to change you from the inside out and give you the, stat, the stamina and endurance to face anything. And to me, you know, whether it's signs and wonders or cultural, you know, like, like believe me, the Bible needs to be culturally relevant. I'm not saying that. Like definitely the, the message of the gospel needs to resonate with the people that are listening that live in the culture. Absolutely. But the word of God, we can't mess with it. The message can, get, the message can never change. Do you guys with me, church? The message can't change. The methodology in delivering it, of course it's going to change. But the message... The message in and of itself in the hands of the Holy Spirit will penetrate the hearts for which it's been sent out, the message. So if you mess with the message, then forget about it. I mean, you, it, you're not just one degree off. You're, you're going in the exact opposite direction of the crucified Jesus Christ, the one that was, that was crucified and died for you. That's the message we preach, by the way. Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried and rose again. That's the gospel. Oh, but Ed, that's... 
I mean, that's, that's not much. No, it's enough. It's enough. It is the message of the gospel that will change your life. And what's sadder is that many people follow. Many people follow. I mean, in my email box today, I had a couple of emails. Uh, one from a church that, that believed in the seed faith stuff and wanted me a, They literally asked me to sow a seed into their believe it. If I believe it, I will see it. Ministry. Here's my seed. Abandon that false teaching and let it grow. The Lord will take care of you. But it's like, and I, another email was, uh, I opened today was, was just as bad in sense of somebody just getting off track. It's just off track. Just got to stay on track. It's easy to walk right past God's word or even co-op God's word instead of just letting the word of God speak. So we have the prophetic word, the prophetic word. God, the prophetic word is powerful. It is one of the evidences that the Bible that you hold in your hand is divine in origin, not human, divine in origin. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, as you closed out today's message, you mentioned that prophecy is one of the ways that we know the Bible is inspired by God. So I was wondering if you can think of a few prophecies and scriptures that have already been fulfilled that would leave us to conclude the Bible is of divine origin. Larry, this is great. This is a great question. Uh, and we can go on and on on fulfilled prophecy. Uh, there are whole books, series of books written on it. But let me just give you one word. I want you to consider just one word. Israel. Israel existing today is proof positive of so many things about the character and the nature of God, including his prophetic word. In Isaiah 66, 8, it says, Who has seen anything as strange as this? Who has ever heard of such a thing? Has a nation been born in a single day? Of course, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And, and here we are in the day in which we live, where on May 14, 1948, the nation of Israel was reborn. And, and where has that ever been seen before? So many prophecies look forward to the nation of Israel being regathered and drawn out of the Gentile nations to come home to their promised land. And I mean, we're taking tours right now to Israel to take people to see it with their own eyes, to have their feet stand on the very places where uh, Jesus lived and ministered. I mean, we don't know exactly the exact place, but like in the general area, I mean, we go to Capernaum, you're at the Sea of Galilee. I mean, some things are pretty obvious and we're taking people there now. And, and even as people continue to come, the Jews are returning home uh, in something that's called Aliyah. And people are coming home. They're becoming uh, citizens. Now, listen, the the governmental system of Israel is not what the Bible is speaking of. You know, whoever's in office, Netanyahu, any of those, that's not what it's speaking of. It's speaking of the nation being reborn, formed, autonomous, authoritative. And I mean, it's happening right now. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 21. Behold, I'll take the sons of Israel from among the nations where they have gone and bring them into their own land. So you want to talk about fulfilled prophecy. I mean, you, you think about Israel. Uh, besides all the things that are happening with the, with the end times prophecies, right? One world government, one world leader, one world currency, a wholesale rejection of God replaced with a false idolatrous spirituality. I mean, we can go on and on, but if you really want to narrow it down, I just want you to consider the date, May 14th, 1948. 
Israel reborn. And what a powerful, powerful, powerful prophecy that has been fulfilled that sets in motion even what you see in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Of course, you hear me, I get all excited about it. But bless you guys. Continue to study the word and we will grow in God's grace together. Very compelling evidence that God's Word is true and can be trusted. Friend, if you'd like to hear this again, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Each month we pick out a book we think you'll enjoy and that can really serve to help you grow in God's abounding grace. We want to help you develop a spiritual library. And this month it's Ebenezer Stones by Catherine McDougall. It's so easy to get focused on our problems and difficulties, and when we do, our focus is no longer on God. We can so easily forget how God has been faithful to us. The remedy is to get your focus back on God and the ways He has been faithful. In this excellent book, you'll learn how an ordinary stone can be a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. The Bible calls it an Ebenezer stone, which means stone of the help. Request Ebenezer Stones when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.